you're listening to the Empath Insights Podcast. And today I am sharing the conversation that I had with one of my friends and fellow empath, Jan Scott. In this episode, Jan shares her struggles that she had around being an empath. She shares some of the struggles she had around being in a relationship with someone with some pretty strong narcissistic traits. And then she also shares some of her self care practices with us that she continues to use today. Stay tuned. I'm Rachel Hudson, and I help empaths just like you learn to thrive, learn to stop absorbing other people's stress and embrace your natural gifts. I also teach you how to manage your sensitivities in this sometimes insensitive world we live in. Welcome to this week's episode, everybody. And I do have my very first podcast guest, Jan Scott. Welcome. It's so good to talk to you today. Thank you for having me, Rachel. What an honor to be your first guest. Oh, I'm so excited. So if you'll just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you're from, maybe a little background about you and how we met. Of course, I'd love to. Um, so I grew up in Scotland. That's why I've got this funny accent. <laughs> um, so I grew up there, I went to school there, studied there. And after my studies, I went off to teach English as a second language overseas. So I worked in the Middle East and in China. And I've been living in Southwest Germany um, at the Lake of Constance for the last 11 years. So I don't know what it is, it's something that runs in the family. Um, I've got a serious case of wanderlust. Um, <laughs> basically, I'm really curious about um, different people, different cultures. Um, I love meeting people, which can be a double-edged sword sometimes, <laughs> energy-wise. Um, and I, I'm pretty good at connecting with people as well. So I'm generally, I'm always seeking to connect with people and also like generally seeking harmony. Um, how we met was that you were, you're a moderator in Stephanie Chiver's group. Right. And I don't know how long you've worked with her. So Stephanie is a woman who had a Facebook group called Women Who Don't Drink. Right. She's yeah. an alcohol um, coach, recovery coach. She's excellent. So I've been working with her as a mentor as well since the beginning of the year. Um, but back to back in 2018, I was thinking about my drinking, questioning my drinking. And I was on this group and then this, she said, I've got a lady who does meditation. Yeah. And then, so Rachel was on there with a meditation and then she talked about her empath coaching. Yeah. So uh, we connected actually fairly quickly. We really connected in that group. And then from, from there, we just kind of, we just had our, we started our little empath group and you joined my group when we had a membership group coaching program. And so we've been friends ever since. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love that group and, and I miss it sometimes, but yeah. um, I'm so glad you've still got the Facebook group where all of all the members are there and yeah. I see them pop up in the comments. And so it's great to still have that contact. Fantastic. Yeah. So for you, just tell some, tell our listeners what it was like for you growing up. I mean, like you, I, I didn't know I was an empath. I probably didn't even know what that word meant. But looking back, growing up, I really had some um, aha moments just looking back on how I grew up. So if you'll just share a little bit about 
what it was like growing up for you. Um, yeah, just a little. Um, yeah, so I I don't know if it's something to do with being Scottish, but I'm really good at showing my emotions. I definitely have a lot of emotions and feelings, and I am really sensitive, but something either to do with my upbringing or, yeah, either whether that's to do with the household I grew up in or the culture I grew up in, I just never wanted to be that person, um, you know, crying in public or being over emotional. So I always kind of, I think I kind of ran away from the fact that I was an empath oh. um, in terms of, you know, the amount of emotions I would pick up and, and be dealing with. I sort of felt I had to deal with that all internally, um, which is something I'm still figuring out. I'm still working out how to, how to have a more healthy relationship with my, my emotions. Right. Um, and so yeah I, I wouldn't I would say emotionally I wasn't I didn't really know how to deal with all these emotions and things that I was feeling but I would you know I would pick up on on moods and on the atmosphere in a, in a room and things like that um, and one thing you know I grew up in the countryside in Scotland so I was outdoors a lot you know you know our parents used to have us to call us to come in to get us to eat right. um, and then we'd be straight back outside again and, you know, that's something I've only really relatively recently realized that this is exactly what I need as an adult. I need to be outdoors as much as possible. It makes a huge difference, especially for us empaths. And sometimes we want to fight it. We're like, no, 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 I don't need to get out. But we can really tell if we haven't been outside and spent enough time outside in nature. So how did you, I know this uh, answer, but our listeners don't, how did you come to understand or find out that you were an empath? Um, yeah, this is a kind of a funny story because it's like, it's just, you know, it came out of nowhere. And the person who basically told me or informed me that I was an empath is, you know, I'm not even friends with her. I'm, it was like a friend of a friend. So we were all on a kind of a girl's night out and um, I never met this woman before. And immediately she got into quite a deep conversation topic, which is fine by me. Like I, I'm, I love like diving right in there and, you know, pushing the small talk to the side. And she was talking about her um, unhappy marriage and I had just got out of an unhappy marriage. Oh. Um, and she was explaining that she was married to a guy who was basically a clinically diagnosed narcissist. Oh wow! <laughs> like he cannot be helped. He cannot change. He cannot. Therapy will not help him. And this is this is him, and this is what I deal with. And then she talked about herself, and she said that she's a an empath, um, that she's always striving for harmony, and that this um, narcissist empath dynamic is really common. Um, and she said to me, you know, is your ex husband a narcissist? No. I asked her, I said, does your husband, oh, does he like love himself? Is he like full of himself? Is he, you know, super confident and thinks he can do no wrong? And she said, no, he's the opposite. He's always like, the attention is all about him, but right. he was, you know, the pessimist and the worrier. And, you know, that was what was sucking up all the energy is that she was trying to meet all of his needs to, to get the balance, to get the harmony in the relationship. And she said, you know, um, him being like that makes him a narcissist. And I'd never heard that before. I was, you know, thinking about the charmer um, and the, the know-all, the, the super confident guy. And she said, no, he's the opposite. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so, 
you know, that conversation really stuck with me. We, we went out dancing and stuff later and kind of, it was kind of a long night. It was a big night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the conversation really stuck with me. So I started Googling these terms, oh. narcissist, empath. I started Googling the, the relationship dynamic and then I found a couple of articles. I think it was on Psychology Today. And I sent them to a friend from Scotland and I said, is this me? And she was like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and this explained so much, so, so much about my romantic relationship history and me in general, um, the way I am in general, the way I sort of um, maneuver through life, through the world. So, yeah, fascinating. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, empaths. We feel everything, <laughs> but it's actually, I think it's really, uh, when I, uh, 10, 12 years ago, when I kind of put, you know, connected all the dots, I was actually pretty relieved to know that, well, there's not something, there's not anything wrong with me. This is just how I perceive the world. And this is kind of my, my makeup as a human. And it was a huge, huge relief for me. Did you feel the same way? Absolutely. I was, I've got it. Um, when you sent me the questions, that was something that I kind of was able to answer right away was this relief is the, the key word for me. It was such yeah. a relief. I mean, I think the first time we had a conversation, we had some sort of um, messages, chat messages, written messages. And then we had a conversation, you and I on, I think it was either Skype or something. Yeah. And uh, after that conversation, I felt so relieved. I was like, okay, there's a, there's a name for this. There's a term. Um, and it's, it's not an excuse. Um, you know, it's just a, a way of defining me. And it kind of just explained a lot of my behavior. And, it, you know, I tried to take responsibility for my behavior. Exactly. But um, it really just helped me understand, you know, why is it my instinct to do x y and z why do i react in this way and it it all comes from being this uh, um being an empath and it's really wonderful to be able to have you know talk to and met other real life yeah. empaths and you know you're if you you know once you find this out about yourself um it's just really good to know that you're you're really not in the you're not in the minority there's a lot of people who, who are empaths too yeah. And, you know, we've known each other for a while and I like to take the victim thing, the victim topic or the victim energy out of the empath. Like we don't have to be, but I think sometimes we go down that path because we don't know what else to do. And so we just consider ourselves a victim of our own makeup. Why do we attract all these people? But once we just put that to the side, we can actually do the self work that that we need to do for ourselves and quit making um you know quit making excuses and um you know if people don't believe that there is an empath i do have there's some people in my life that are like oh the empath thing is just a bunch of baloney I'm like actually no it's not it's a it's real and it's actually fun to to un have that understanding about ourselves absolutely I find it hard to believe that people dismiss it because I'm sure they're the people in your lives who benefit <laughs> from you being an empath. Yeah, oh, that is Rachel. correct. Rachel will do it. She'll help. Yeah. She'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, deep down, they know that you're an empath. Because oh, yeah. They know that they would ask you to do things they would not ask other people to do. 
Exactly. And it just makes, it's like, yeah, it makes so much sense. But now that we have this information about ourselves, we can navigate the world in such a different, um, I would call it an energy space from our own, just, you know, guiding, being guided with our heart and um, putting up really smart boundaries, which is, was something that I really wasn't used to doing until about, you know, 10, 12 years ago. I didn't know the definition of the word boundaries in this sort of psychological field. Right. You know, until I was sort of 36 years old, I was like, boundaries, what are they? What? Yeah, who needs them? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awful. So if you would share, if you, as much or as little as you would like to talk about any empath struggles or struggles in life that you think uh, are related to you being an empath, um, maybe you want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Basically, just what you what you touched on there. Um, you know, just this energy. So I I'm I've got a couple of different empath types, but I am an emotional empath in mm-hmm. terms of I can pick up on sort of people's feelings and moods and energy. Um, and so when you know when it comes to people having issues or problems or struggles, I kind of pick up on that, and it's really hard for me to not make that my own struggle my own worry um and you know I feel so sorry for people who you know when you find yourself sort of cornered by this you you know you call them energy vampires these people who like open their hearts like a floodgate and explain you know this big long story this big long drama I'm thinking oh I feel so sorry for this person they've got nobody else to speak to or they wouldn't wouldn't be standing there telling me all of this sort of (laughs) you know sometimes quite personal things and um yeah but then I realize yeah it's because they're not an empath it's because they're not an empath yeah you know? you're just an easy target <laughs> and they just yeah they just think you know they probably I I always feel sorry for them oh they're all alone and they've got no one else to talk to they probably go and tell do that to five different people in the day you know yeah, they probably people. pick out certain people like oh she's gonna listen to my sad story and yeah. now you empaths listen to sad stories we pick it up put it in our bag and carry oh, it with us I know. and then we're like why am I so tired <laughs> I know you're like what you know why, why can't I sleep why can't why, why you're worried I'm... about their situation and it's yeah. just, oh crazy yeah yeah and so thinking about you know this conversation today I I was thinking about you know how, how this is typical for me to, to pick up these problems and what I realized is um you know I kind of can allow other people to show their needs or their neediness you know mm. their their moment of vulnerability or whatever and I can allow them to take up their space in the world in terms of like they've got space to share what's going on with them their issues or problems but I find it really hard to let myself do that um, I don't show myself understanding and empathy when I've got a need um, when I've got an issue when I've got a complaint I always I mean I tend I'm a bit better now but I tend to not want to take up someone's time and not want to take up you know the conversation yeah. and I think it maybe issues. is because we know how it feels to be burdened with someone's problems <laughs> yeah exactly and this is what you know we need to remember is that people who are empaths they can hear our story and they won't take it put it in their pocket and take it home so it's okay to you know not dump stuff on people but it's okay to to you know especially with friendships and relationships it should be give and take exactly. so that's something I kind of had to learn um yeah. yeah and I'm I would say 
I'm recovering. I'm a recovering like people pleaser. Yeah. So I used to, yeah, exactly. So so many people in the empath group are the same. Um, so I used to be in helper mode a lot. Um, and this, you know, I ended up really, really drained at certain stages of life because I was always jumping to help other people, and then you know my needs were so far down the list that sometimes I couldn't even recognize what my own needs were. Or you're so exhausted, you're like, I can't deal with my own stuff right now. No, exactly. Yeah. It just gets put off. And so, you know, if you think about your emotional resources, your emotional energy um, as kind of like money, like that was all getting spent on other people. And then, you know, it was like the the, the bowl was empty. When yeah, it your to... emotional bank account is like in yeah. the negative. Yeah, to, when it came to sort of doing things for myself or getting my own stuff dealt with. And uh, yeah, just so draining sometimes. And I really feel that as um, physical tiredness. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Like you've been hit with that. I like to call it the tranquilizer dart or, you know, we talk about the, the wilted flower, you oh, know, you're feeling so long, minding your own business and someone dumps all their garbage on you and you just wilt. And it's, it sometimes takes, I would say sometimes it takes a few days to recover depending on how heavy the conversation is or depending on the person in your life like if they're yeah. that close to you but if they're really close to you do we do tend to take it on um i know it's getting better for for empaths because we have more resources now and um we've got things like journaling and you know hanging out in other groups so that's that's always helpful so you said you identified with a couple of different empath types and you just mentioned emotional is there any other one that kind of stands out to you yeah absolutely so I would definitely say that I'm an earth empath um yes. yeah I love being outside I love the mountains I love the forest I love so I live near um the river Rhine which runs into the lake of Constance and I grew up in Scotland where there's a lot of water, usually coming out of the sky yeah. in the form of rain. <laughs> but um, right. yeah, um, yeah, this is something that really helps to ground me. And yeah, I mean, I get really restless if I'm stuck indoors all the time. Um, yeah. And so it doesn't need to be hot or warm. Um, at the moment, the weather's really clear and sunny here, but it's still fairly cold in the mornings. Okay. You know, uh, dry weather, clear skies is just ideal and um, beautiful yeah and I need to I figured out I need to kind of live in a place that's got at least some hills or mountains because yeah. I grew up in a valley um, surrounded by hills and I just can't imagine living you know somewhere like the prairies in Canada where it's completely flat yeah, flat <laughs> a, a city that's just you know skyscrapers where I you can't see this sort of natural horizon line um, and you know where I've lived in my life most of the time I've had, I've lived um, somewhere where I've got this sort of um, view. Um, and I realized that's really what I need. And to well, be I know you shared us, shared uh, some, some photos with us when we were in the empath group. Oh my goodness. You live in a beautiful place. Yeah. I'm really lucky. Gorgeous. And I, I, yeah. And that's one of the reasons, you know, like I say, I, I got divorced. Um, I was married to a German guy and part of the reason I stayed here was you know there was a lot of reasons but um the fact that it was a a nice place to be and a place where you can go out your front door and you can you know just start a walk and you'll end up um 
in the forest or you end up at the water. So that's something I really need as, you know, full time on a full-time basis. It wouldn't be enough for me to live in a massive city and just go on a sort of two-week vacation. What other aha moments or realizations did you have once you learned that you were an empath? Anything? Yeah, so we we talked about boundaries. Um, So as I said, I had no clue um, and I learned about them. Um, You know, I was in therapy and things after the separation. So I learned about boundaries. Um, So I stopped automatically saying yes to everything. I stopped automatically, you know, jumping to be this helper and this giver, you know, this eternal giving, giving, giving. Um, So I've, you know, I try to press pause now. I try to, you know, I try to, before I just say yes, or yeah, I'll do it and I'll help, um, you know, sort of look internally first, figure out, do I have the capacity for that? Do you have the time for that? What are the things I've already got planned for me? Um, yeah. Basically, yeah, more mindful about where I put my energy because the places where I was putting energy, I wasn't getting a lot of energy back necessarily. Exactly. And again, the difference between you know, it's not prejudice at all, but the difference between empaths and non-empaths. So as an, there's some people that, you know, people I'm friends with who I, you know, I love them. They're great people, but they're not empathetic the way that I am or to mm-hmm. the degree that I am. So some of them can't possibly reciprocate the amount of sort of empathy or giving that I would be prepared to give. And so if you know I'm it's up to me to control that to control where my energy is going you know you can't just give and give and give and expect that good people will give and give and give back in the same way you know reciprocating and you know I think saying yes and I talk to a lot of empaths now and it is the same thing I mean I was that way and I still catch myself just automatically saying yes just to be helpful And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes what does happen, we say yes to things that we really don't want to do. And then we start feeling resentful sometimes. Oh, yeah. Why did I say yes to that? I didn't want to do that. (laughs) Oh, no, I mean, I definitely still have my moments. Yeah, Um, same. Definitely. But I'm, I'm getting better with it. And yeah, this is the thing, you know, not just say yes, because um, it works for them say yes to things that work for them and me yeah you know so I still say yes a lot but it's kind of like on my own terms and it's um just taking that that moment that pause to consider okay is this in line so to say with what I've already with my intentions for myself that is so good and and I think a lot of times when I do talk to uh my empath coaching clients my one-on-one clients they're just this is so foreign to them to like, well, of course I'm going to say yes. They're my sister, my mother, they're my best friend. I always show up for them. And I'm like, but does it work for you? And so backing up just a little bit, because sometimes we want to swing to the opposite direction, just saying no to everything, but you know, just backing off just a little bit is always something that I, I do tell my clients because it it does seem kind of weird. We, we feel like we're being mean. Um, and we're not, um, you know, not saying yes, kind of feels like we're just kind of being rude and Mm -hmm. it's not the truth. And we have to, once we can kind of turn it around, like what, how can I say yes to myself? Well, to say yes to myself actually means no to this person for now. 
Yep. So I pr actually sort of practiced um, on a really small scale. So I practiced saying no to people that I sort of knew the most, that I trusted the most. And, you know, once, and the thing is as well, you have to, when you try something out, like saying no to people, or basically when you try anything out, it's good to try and reflect on it. So I would try to remember to reflect on, okay, I said no. Um, and, you know, the world, nothing bad happened. The world didn't stop turning. Um, the friendship didn't go down the drain. Um, I just made a very small boundary, which was, you know, not unreasonable. And that person completely accepted that. So um, the thing is, if you don't reflect, if you're not able to reflect on what you're, how you've changed your behavior, it's difficult to give yourself that positive feedback about it. Um, yeah. And that's, sometimes that's people, you know, the impasse, we, you know, they just, we, as humans, we want that quick fix. We don't want to sit down and write our journaling exercises because we're like, oh, that doesn't matter. I would like to tell my listeners that it matters a lot. S writing your crappy thoughts out on paper, good or bad, but a lot of times there are going to be some negative thoughts is kind of a, a slow way of thinking. You know, you have to take time to write it out. You have to spend time in your own head without distractions. And it is so helpful. It really, really helps me. I'm definitely, um, writing is definitely my thing. Um, the other groups I've been on, I think some people can do it, you know, through art, through mm. craft, like, you know, using their hands. Other people can do it with, you know, they work with that, they spend time with animals and that sort of helps them rebalance or things mm. like that. But for me, it's definitely writing in words and the written word. Um, you know, speaking, speaking through things helps as well. But often I need to kind of, if I need to kind of organize my thoughts, I need to take some notes or write things down. So sometimes even before a big conversation, I will, I will have written something down beforehand just to get myself organized. Yeah. And it's just super helpful. So we're going to jump into a topic that is very interesting, but empaths typically attract narcissists. I've uh -huh. Yeah. Um, did you ever experience anyone who had narcissistic traits and how did you handle it? Well, funnily enough, Rachel, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so I am, I've, I've, uh, get a gold star because I've experienced narcissists <laughs> at both ends of the spectrum, so to say. Right on. Okay. Yes. Let yeah. So again, this was completely, I was completely unaware of this at the time it was happening course um, and it's been yes and it's been since I've discovered that and I'm an empath and I've you know I've talked about it read about it find out about it and now I've got the sort of um, vocabulary the language to speak about it and really look back and see I mean there's no doubt in my mind that's exactly what was happening um, that's exactly how these people should be classified you know it's not name calling it's it's the truth it's the truth right yeah. So what were your experiences? If however little or much you want to share, it's up to you. Okay, so there's two characters in this story. Okay. Um, so my ex-husband. So he sounded, he's a little bit. You remember I told you about this acquaintance's husband. So my ex um, is very pessimistic, um, a warrior. He was firmly in the victim role. You know, okay. it's him against the world. Um, why did this always happen to me? all this kind of things and so he was very much that was where he was at and um 
this made him very needy. You know, he needed reassurance. He was, you know, um, so that was, as you can imagine, just uh, completely draining. You know, he's the sort of guy who he had a problem for every solution. You know, I would problem for every solution. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. So he would come up with sort of all these scenarios about how everything can go wrong and I would say yeah but what about this and we can try that and then he would just you know shoot all shoot down on my positivity and like I'm running out of ideas (laughs) yeah my whole you know this is my this is my whole mode of like giving helping trying to find the harmony you know I was trying to do my work and his work in the relationship to make it harmonious oh yeah so I mean you can imagine after we separated I was just absolutely exhausted like yeah. I can't even probably for it. months yeah, possibly years so yeah, we we totally split possible. we split yeah. in 2016 and I would say I'm feeling good now good um, yeah um yeah you know you know yourself you've you've been along the side with me uh in yeah. part of the journey so you know so he was one character I'm going to talk about a bit about some of the behaviors that the two people have in common after I describe the second character. Sure, yeah. So the second character was <laughs> the other end of the spectrum. He was so handsome, so charming, so confident, you know. And that's kind that. of the textbook description, really. Oh, but yeah, I mean, the Disney narcissist. <laughs> yeah, okay. so to say. Right. Yeah, so, um, you know, the very first impression I was just blown away by this guy and all, and blown away by his interest in me. Um, and, you know, yeah. as time goes on and when I look back, he's pretty predatory, predatory. Yeah, they just yeah. sneak up on us. You're like, why didn't I ever see that? Well, I just, I think I kind of knew it was happening on one level. Yeah. But I was, this was right after my separation. And I was like, I don't really care. Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't looking for a, a, my next husband. I wasn't looking for my next relationship. I was like, right. okay, this is not ideal, but I mean, it's a part-time thing. It's a fling, whatever. So, you know, if you can imagine these, both of these people at this other opposite end of the scale, one's like worrying himself about everything that can go wrong. One of the, one of the other ones saying that he's just the best thing that's ever lived. <laughs> um, but and so the way their behavior towards me was quite similar um so they both started off with major love bombing major you know attention affection oh you're the best you're so pretty and you're so great and blah 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 which of course you know people who are not in a great place in their life they're going to go for that you know it's like this nice shiny object you're like oh yeah this is great yeah exactly um but you know as things progressed um and knowing what I know now when I look back they were both firmly focused on their own needs and their own agenda the whole time um they were both very controlling Mm. um and they knew I the kind of person I am I could be controlled because I was in this pattern of yeah trying to find the harmony so if you know if they if something was sort of seeming like a bit of conflict I I used to my motto used to be you know anything do anything but rock the boat don't rock the boat you're saying rock the boat that's it yeah and um, this is just such a the wrong way to to live your life you know because I couldn't I couldn't advocate for my needs at all because you know half the time I couldn't identify that them and the other half I was like yeah but if I say something then this harmony 
you know, I'll it's be the one explode. that destroyed. Yeah. You know, I, I was putting all my energy into trying to repair it when when they'd made things um, unharmonious. That I was like, oh, the last thing I want to do is be the cause of the disharmony. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've I realized that that was that was kind of the pattern um, with the romantic relationships. And you know, I I went to therapy. I was like, how do I stop this? How do I stop this from happening yeah. again? What is going on with me? Why do I do this? Why I, do I attract these people? You know, I was really looking for sort of hard facts, practical tips, like what is happening here? And um, and luckily now I've learned a lot and I, I've, I've, I've broken the pattern. Yeah, I'm in a relationship with somebody who's a lot different. Yeah, yeah, you seem like you're in a totally different place. But I, I want to go back to the the patterns that we get into. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast and some of the questions that I receive is the how, how do I, you know, how do I do this? And I have to always say, we have to really get back to that self-discovery, which is, you know, not all rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes oh, it's hard looking work. at ourselves, it's like, ah, oh, what have I done? <laughs> but it's the best work to break the pattern and really, Absolutely. like you said, advocate advocate for yourself yeah absolutely absolutely so let's let's fast forward what is your life like today and how are you different today with regards to some of the decisions that you might make and some of the self-care practices if you'd like to share some of your favorite self-care practices along with that sure um well so like I said I, I rushed off to therapy um to to figure out how to to really cut off this behavior and, and make a change um the way that i really kind of got over my relationships with the narcissist or got them out of my life was um by using boundaries by setting boundaries once i'd learned about them mm-hmm. um and the, the key thing i did was that i explained myself um often several times and then after a point i stopped explaining myself i stopped repeating myself because oh, I, the, the explanation was already out there yeah the reasons that you know the why the what was all there they'd been given that um and so you can't always talk people into respecting your boundaries by reasoning with them and explaining to them especially Sometimes, a narcissistic person yeah. yeah yeah so the only way to get the the boundary um visible to them or respected by them is with your actions to show them exactly so I mean these are people it was clear that I didn't want them in my life anymore and I think it's difficult if you're dealing with narcissists in your family in your workplace an acquaintance that you're going to be seeing every now and again but for me it was very clear I didn't need these people in my life at all I didn't want them in my life at all so I I was hard I um I'd explain myself and then I just stopped I stopped contact. I stopped replying to the messages, and no more contact and no more explanations. And um, you know, my therapist said intermittent um, response is the worst because if oh. if you can wait, if you can ignore a hundred messages, and then message one hundred and one, you reply, repeating what you've already told this person. Oh that person will try two hundred times the next time. And this is really- so good for people to hear too. Yes. Yeah. So this intermittent response is the worst. Um, so if you've if you've said your piece, 
or have you written that letter or you've sent that email or you've had that hard conversation, there is no reason for you to repeat yourself. That person knows how you feel. They know why you feel like that. They know what you intend to do. They know how you feel about the past. You know, you've, they've had the chance for apologies. You've had your chance for apologies. And then it comes to a point where you just don't do it anymore. So um, these boundaries are really, really important. Um, and so my key thing about what took me to where my life is now is um, cutting these people out because I knew they were bad in my life. And the, the sort of light bulb moment was I stopped looking for security in other people. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah. Big light bulb. Yeah, definitely. So at the moment, my kind of agenda or my MO is I'm really motivated to create a life that I don't need to escape from. I don't need someone to come and rescue me from it. I don't need to, you know, win the lottery to, to be happy. I'm not waiting for something to happen for my life to start. My life is happening now and um, I'm present in my life and I'm enjoying it. That's beautiful. I'm so happy for you. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's a struggle getting away from the narcissist and then you start feeling like, should I, you know, but no, the whole no contact, I know it sounds harsh and hard, but it isn't. You have to take care of yourself, like you said. So for anyone listening today who may be going through something really similar or kind of like, oh, that sounds like me. What would you tell somebody listening right now who is really struggling in a similar situation as an empath? Well, in a nutshell, I would say that Rachel can help you because she helped oh. me. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. You did. You did. So um, the way that you talk about empaths, the way that you can explain all the sort of issues surrounding being an empath, and um, the big one for me is how you, um, you gave us a range of tools in our toolkit, so to say. Yeah. So various self-care practices – um, sort of suck it and see um, you said you know try this try this try this and something that you some of the things you try are going to stick um, right. and so for me I stuck with the writing practice the the evening the journaling in the evening I do guided oh, yeah. questions perfect um, spending time outdoors and savoring the time outdoors you know being present in the moment um, I'm not great at me- not great at meditation but um <laughs> I do really love your um, calling in the light meditation. Yeah, you, um, you did really connect with that one. Yeah, I've got yeah. so many meditations on my website. But yeah, that's somebody connects with something different. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. the one I go to when I wake up and, you know, your thoughts are just a jumble and you're like, I just need clarity. I'm like, I'll need Rachel in my ears. And oh, thanks. Calling in the light. Yeah. yeah. Really you know, there helps. are so many different tools. And I like to tell my clients or anybody who I'm talking, you know, talking with about being an empath. I'm like, there's so many tools out there. All you have to do is like, it's like trying on an outfit. It's like going shopping, you know, this might feel like a tight sweater and you know, those tight sweaters that never fit right. That might not work, but this next outfit might work for you. So that is beautiful. That actually wraps it up for us. So I want to thank you so much. Our listeners are going to get so much out of this episode. I just can't thank you enough for just sharing your experience with my audience. And I'd love to have you back sometime. Well, I'd love to be back. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Now, if you're ready to start thriving as an empath, if you're ready to start banishing those energy vampires, I'd love to invite you to work with me one-on-one. Just go to my website, rachelkhudson.com, and just go to the tab that says work with me and we can schedule a free consultation. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you have a wonderful week. Be kind to yourself, say nice things to yourself and be kind to others. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.